Hello and welcome. I am Aaron Teachman and this is Exit the Stage Door and it's high on film. Okay, look, so here's the truth. There are certain things that you learn when you uh, deal with a podcast and you, you, you deal with a sort of a mood, sort of the, the way that the rhythm of your life falls with the rhythm of the podcast that has become part of your life. And and what Exit the Stage Door is telling me this year is that it's a Friday podcast. Last year it was a Wednesday podcast. I don't know that anybody cares about any of that. But this year Exit the Stage Door feels like a Friday podcast. And it's Friday evening, so this is great. Uh, this is the rhythm that that uh, that life has given me. It's a Friday podcast, and you know what? It's high on film. That's Chris Maxwell and Brad Davis. I've been a guest on their show a couple times. And uh, finally, I managed to take a trip out to L.A. and have them be a guest on mine. We talk about what it's like to do theater in college and uh, the transition from theater to TV and film and uh, their inspiration for uh, founding a podcast themselves and and what it's like to be podcasters and how that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. I know that I am, I can't imagine a time when I'm not going to be hosting a podcast of some kind or another. And I think these, that Chris and Brad both feel the same way. They both, they've been doing high on film for quite a long time now, almost four years. It's totally insane. Uh, please check them out. They're an absolute blast to listen to, and Trash Star Destroy is an absolute gift to anyone who cares about film at all. It's Fuck, Mary Kill, but with movies, and uh, it's amazing. It's a, a blast. It's the best um, sort of thought experiment that you can have about related movies, and they they give you a, a bunch of them every week that are just, just absolutely fun to listen to. They are all available on Twitter, at film at Cross Maxwell, at BDOaysGP. Please get in touch with them. Reward them. Thank them for being on my show. And uh, I am so grateful that they could have me on their show. Dude, this week, I am so proud to present these fantastic podcasters and uh, this in- incredible story. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Aaron Teachman. This is Exit the Stage Drawer, and I present to you the gentleman of High on Film. Just to prove a point. Yeah, cool. I don't. I d- didn't actually bring enough because I'm an idiot. Um, it's all right. Well, it, well, somebody can use my iPhone headphones if they. <laughs> or I could use the iPhone headphones. I was, was going to say I'm fine without headphones. You can <laughs> yeah. keep them or whatever you Got want. Got my fancy Grados. Terse. Just Super excited. Nice. This is my first guest guest spot on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, mm. These are wholly more or less directional, so it's not going to be too, too bad. Okay, yeah. yeah I yeah. just realized and about the ice cubes. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. And you're fine. fine. All right, and, cool. uh, Yeah. And you guys have such good projection that where they are, it's awesome. All right. We're going to get, definitely get broadcast quality audio on us. Awesome. So, I mean, and you guys, I can't remember which episode it was of... <laughs> high on film that you first started plugging exit the stage door it was probably very soon after it was very soon after you started and i as i I brought you uh miami vice oh yeah (laughs) never forget it yeah yeah not not the worst film you've ever been forced to watch Mm -mm. which which i'm still pretty proud of but 
You know, I, it is a good one, too. I mean, uh, a good one as far as it was a Michael Mann movie I've never seen. Oh, and yeah, okay, cool. I do like, you know, I, I mean, as yeah. you do, too. We talked earlier this weekend about <laughs> whole filmographies of people we've seen, and Michael Mann is certainly one that I haven't really delved into nearly as much as I should have. Yeah. Miami Vice certainly wasn't the top of the list <laughs> no. where I wanted to start yeah. with uh, my manholes, if you will. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, uh... I'm glad I saw it. I love Colin Farrell, although again, a weaker performance. Yeah, not not his strongest. Yeah, well, I I like Colin Farrell more now. Like I feel like even in True Detective, he did what he could with yeah. what he was given. Yeah. He wasn't. He was the best part about the show. Him and McAdams of, of Detective. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just their performance. Pretty much nothing else. Yeah, just yeah. just time the Martin McDonough movies for the rest of his life. And yeah. yeah. Oh man, in Bruges. Oh, holy crap! Fucking even Seven Cha- Psychopaths. I really. Like. I haven't gotten around to that yet. I liked it. Uh, in Bruges, I loved. And oh, it yeah. Completely changed my opinion on Colin Farrell. Yeah. I always thought he was just kind of whatever, and then I saw him in that movie. I was like, oh my god, that is like an award worthy performance. Jesus Christ. Did you see Tigerland? Yeah, I've seen Tigerland. Yeah, that is the movie that I was like, oh, Colin Farrell can actually act. That's amazing. Maybe I don't own it anymore. I thought I did. I owned it at one point. Yeah, <laughs> I picked it up it out of the like five dollar bin at Schumacher, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. One of one of the pleasant surprises of Schumacher's filmography. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know he he yeah. directed that. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's a small film, yeah. and it's about Vietnam prep. Yeah. So they're still in the U.S. like a training boot camp, and, and yeah. they don't even get to Vietnam in the movie. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a little bit more moody Biloxi blues. It's not quite mm-hmm. as funny, but it's it's the tone. It's not the tone, but it's the subject matter that's going for. Yeah. So. Do we need to turn off air conditioning? Nah, it's fine. From the hot it's Los not, Angeles? It's not blowing that hard, so okay. it's all good. I've oh. been in much worse situations. All right. <laughs> that's cool. Hey, the, the, then we have comfort and uh, good yeah. recording quality. It's exactly. fine. <laughs> Win-win. Win-win. Yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, there was two things, two two reasons I primarily wanted you on the podcast well, three, that's a lie, because one, you guys are such good supporters of, of the show, and I'm out here to be on your show. It seems only only fair that we should we should trade and uh, people get to ha- a chance to hear your, your stories, which I think is awesome, which is the second reason is because you started a podcast, which is one of the reasons I started a podcast. And yeah, your podcast, I remember talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking weekly, and that that blows my mind. There's that's we're gonna do that in a second and the other thing was like I've worked with both of you in the context of theater in the past and I think it's really interesting that you're yeah I was trying to remember what did we work on oh I did your directing yes, scene you did, yes where I showed my, my balls scene. to everybody <laughs> yep oh I remember that because <laughs> you were in boxer shorts yep, the yep. Didn't wasn't even thinking necessary precautions and nope I, I ran that show from the booth so I didn't know. Like, I was above and watching them do their thing on the bed because um, we did this thing from Arthur Schnitzer's uh, Reigen, um, which yeah. is also the basis for The Blue Room. I don't know. Have you seen that? Like, um, mm, Nicole Kidman no. is a David Hare adaptation thing. Uh, but um, it was a blast to work on. And Meg, Meg <laughs> apologized to me, like, way later. It's like, no, no, people really did like it, but they were just shocked. Because of the flashing, yeah, like, the the flashing. What are you What are you, you talking about? I didn't block in flashing. <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. It really fits the scene. But oh, okay. never even thought of it. <laughs> not, that's that's what you get for not being an experienced actor and like oh, just kind of going into it and not realizing like oh, yeah. boxer briefs. I'll tell you, I didn't notice it until I mean, people later then told me. Yeah, I, was, I love the scene. I, I remember Justin Honor told me he was like, I just <laughs> I just saw your balls the whole time. I was like. 
Oh. <laughs> well. Well. Because well, right. when we rehearsed it, we didn't actually rehearse it in costume we very didn't, much. No. So I didn't even. I think I the only thing we did was like dress. something with because Meg is like getting dressed and undressed. Yeah, we some that. of hers. Yeah, yeah. but we, mine was just I just got yeah. laid or or I, or I couldn't yeah. get laid. Couldn't, couldn't get, get it, it up. up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which is part of the, the fun part. I made it about a football player. It's not actually about a football player originally. It's about a soldier, but it was so appropriate in American. I was like, let's just make it about a football player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't get it up. But Brad's got, well, not that you couldn't play a soldier very well, but you got a, you got a football stature. I got a good build. Yeah. Yeah. The it broad was, shoulders. That was really cool, actually, that whole directing class um, because... Loved it. And I took the opportunity to... The, the thing I learned the most, actually, about being a good collaborative director was when I instead of showing people that our scene as it currently existed, that sounded incredibly painful. That was my shoulder. That felt great, actually. <laughs> Good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, was that we? I showed them us rehearsing, and I was awful at being a director at the time, like telling, giving line readings and telling my actors what to do. Mm. And that was a, the major note from everyone in the directing class. It's like, don't do that. Trust your actors. You got them for a reason. Let them let them make the choices and figure it out, and just give them the parameters. And you guys were amazing. Like y- you and Meg both made made the scene so much more than I thought was possible because because I because I followed their advice and let just let you figure figure it out. And you guys have a really good dynamic together. So that was an incredibly rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That was a good scene. Well, yeah. I mean, directing's what ninety percent casting. What's the percentage of, yeah, of I, casting is directing? And seventy to ninety is what I hear. It's yeah. Totally true. I mean, yeah. everything that I am most proud of that I have had a director's hand or at least like a very influential hand in, in the casting. I feel like because of the actors I chose, especially in this specific uh, specific class that you're talking about, I mean, I chose actors that I loved and respected and, and they pulled through for me both times. Yeah. Well, uh, you did scenes. True West, didn't I you? I did do True yeah, West. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because my actors convinced me to. I knew I wanted oh, yeah. to do it. I wanted to do Sam Shepard. He's been my favorite playwright since I've heard of him. Um, and I brought it to my two actors. I was like, guys, I want to do True West. I think you two would be a great foil for one another. Um, and then we took it to the teacher of to the class. and Lofty. Uh, lofty. <laughs> and he flat out told me, he was like, if you're not going to get the toasters, don't bother doing this. And in college, and pretty broke, I had no idea where I was going to find... 15 to 30 toasters. Lots of toasters. Exactly. So I was like, I mean, and so I went back to Patrick and Mike, my, my two actors, and I was like, guys, bad news. Like, I know we really wanted to do this, but I don't even know where to begin to find this many toasters or the <laughs> budget for this many toasters. And they both just looked at me and were like, no, we'll get them. You tell Lofty we're going to do the scene. We're going to help you get them. We're going to do it. And it was, I mean, that confidence that propelled me forward. And mm. I think even made me feel better about them because they were both still fairly amateur actors at the time. Um, and, and, you know, the, the theater department hadn't given them full shots on the whole yet either, despite being, you know, uh, regulars and, and in staff. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they both pulled through. And, I mean, that still remains to be one of my proudest moments on stage. Yeah. Is that true, West scene? That's one of the great All things. All credit to them. Patrick yeah. and Mike. Patrick Berger, Mike Dorenzis. <laughs> Amen. Shout, Shout out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that that I, one of the things I'm really proud about with that with that lofty choice of of presenting a scene like that 
and having a bunch of us in the department. I wasn't actually in the theater department. I was technically the film studies, and I was just sort of an interloper. Well, you weren't really either. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I was a minor. Yeah, minor. Yeah, <laughs> kept me out of my class. Yeah, I know it did. <laughs> Much but to my chagrin. Oh, it was a good class. But but the chance for all of us to sort of rectify the casting decisions that we saw consistently made in the main stage shows were like, why isn't this incredibly talented actor getting an opportunity to be talented in front of people? So every single one of us were like, you're going to be in our scene because you're awesome and nobody seems to know that. Yeah. Well, it, and we were kind of young at the time. I mean, Patrick oh, yeah. certainly was a, a couple years behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were both given their chance later. I mean, I don't think... I'm not claiming because of my scene at all. I don't think anyone, <laughs> anyone of importance even saw that scene. But they both ended up having leading roles yeah. in, in plays and uh, in the theater department and destroyed it, both of them. Yeah. So. And Dorensis was in your short, wasn't he? The Sneakers for Sneaking? That's actually his short. That's his short. Oh, I was in that. That's Joe, right. Joe and I that's were in right. that. That's uh, right. Joe McGranigan is yeah. still a working actor. Yes. And probably a great guest for this show. Oh, if I can get him. If he wanders through my <laughs> car area, which Neck he said he's going to be in Philly car at some area. point, right? I believe he's in Philly currently. Okay. And I think he's going to Pittsburgh by the end of the year. That's right. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that then that's just an excuse for me to be in Pittsburgh. Well, you'll always have contacts to him, too. I mean, <laughs> doesn't have to be this year. That's true. But I so I guess the listeners probably don't know this, but we all went to Pitt together for a brief period of time from 2005. I was there from spring semester 2005 through spring semester 2006. And you guys... Yeah, I graduated in 2006. Yeah. Okay. But I actually, my first two years, I wasn't in the theater department, so I had oh. no connection to that at all. That was just kind of, that happened after <laughs> after a night of doing a certain... Uh, certain drug uh kind of pushed me into deciding to like try a performance class huh. and i did that <laughs> that it, it that is true it was it was a night on, i think i have an idea with yes. inebriant as well yes <laughs> it was uh there was some hallucinating involved um <laughs> but yeah in, in all honesty like i spent that night just performing i guess for the other people i was hanging out with not truly but yeah just yeah. kind of talking and and that was kind of like, oh, I enjoyed that. Maybe I'll try a performance class. And then I really liked that and was good at that. And I was like, oh, I'll be a theater major. Whose performance class did you end up in? Uh, Elena. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Elena. Was, she's really good at encouraging she, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was my performance and my acting one teacher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And I, I picked up on it pretty quickly and I loved it immediately. I remember I went to tell my parents that I was planning to, because I hadn't picked a major at that point. So I was like, I'm going to be a psychology major and a theater minor because I didn't think being a theater major was realistic which <laughs> right. yeah, maybe it was still not yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember my parents were just like no we we don't think you're actually gonna put forth the effort to get the psychology degree <laughs> like so but like in a very nice way they're like you really like the theater thing so maybe you should do the theater thing I don't oh, that's awesome they might go back on that decision now they actually have in a certain way but tell uh, them not to worry you're not pursuing theater anymore yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah not a theater totally, totally so that's good you're in hollywood baby oh that's yeah right. literally no theater yeah no theater that's I, I mean one of the things i always found interesting like because so i went to pit because you and brendan went to pit yeah well, i guess we should mention i've known you half my life oh yeah now, for a really long time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, because which you were, your first show was which Midsummer Night's Scream. That's right. It was Midsummer Night's Scream. Yeah, the review show. Uh, uh, yeah, that I spent most of my time as an 
as an usher. Th- that Will Ferrell thing was so funny. Oh, and Ferrell takes the field. Signs. I thought that too. I almost said it, but then moved on before I got it out. Oh my gosh, because we we just held signs up in the corner just trying to make the actors break. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Then, to their credit, even though they were all teenagers, none of the actors broke. But oh. I will say, it was because of you and, and Will that, yeah. like, I mean, and, and many other factors too, yeah. but uh, specifically you two and, I mean, the bonds we formed about Movies. I mean, you have been influ- directly influencing the movies I watch for as long as I've cared about movies. Oh, wow. I mean, if that if you want a little bit of a, a weight on your shoulders, there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no pressure. But yeah, no, you have you and Will both. I mean, yeah. fully formed uh, my movie tastes. Uh, probably helped flush out and expand my mm. comedic sensibilities as well. Oh yeah, because you guys were in that. I mean, I didn't write as often in dealing with the drama club, but Will was definitely part of like what was essentially an unofficial church, indirectly sponsored comedy troupe. Yeah, sketch troupe. <laughs> yeah, there you sketch go. Troupe. That ended up doing really good work, and like Mike, the, the the variety shows that you guys put on were so much fun. Yeah, it was always a blast doing it. And yeah. I wonder why I don't do more of that stuff now. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, ah, we should just do another sketch show. Yeah. I was in a world that's polluted with sketch uh, yeah, now, but, in LA. Yeah, yeah. there's no regular theater. There's all sketch, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It, and but that I mean that always inspired me, like the fact that there were there were people who were actually doing something about it. Because I've been thinking about doing movies I applied for I applied to get a BFA or or go to grad school at like the California Institute of Arts I'm not no I'm not avant-garde enough at all to get into Cal Arts (laughs) at all but I I had that inkling when I was in Germany actually when I started to realize like oh chemistry degree that's not gonna happen in four years so it's either German or this new thing that I kind of like doing so German was because I didn't get into any of the film schools but Mm like because you guys were actually doing something. You were writing. You were putting stuff on 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 film, as it were. That's in air quotes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and mini DVs at the time. Mini DVs at the time. So there's there's a lot of tape involved. Um, I still have a bunch of those. I just rec- well, not anymore. I just recently threw them out. I was like, this. Yeah, I don't want. I don't. Want. <laughs> we don't need to remember those that. Those precious outtakes. Yeah, <laughs> those outtakes. So and I I am kind of ashamed of the fact that I didn't. Do you have fade to black here? Ooh, quite possible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know it's if it's not here, it's at my mom's house. Uh, yeah. But I definitely have it. Uh, Fade to Black. I'm assuming you're talking about something you guys did, not the Jay-Z documentary. That is correct. Okay. No, we made the Jay-Z documentary. <laughs> you guys did that? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know. we like to keep it on the DL, but since it's out, and he's blown up, so. He's kind of a yeah. big, he's turned yeah. into kind of a big deal. No, it was a a short, a film noir short that Teachman wrote that we yeah. filmed over the course of a summer. Uh, how, old were, how old were you at this time when you guys filmed it? Um, so uh, 16 or 17? Oh no! Uh, so 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. Because I was yeah, still at the like University of Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, Because yeah. I, I I edited it at the in, at the University of Texas. I had a side job doing things for the medieval studies professor, um, setting <laughs> setting down um, shockwave flash animations of uh, of text for people doing reads of old English and shit like that. And when I got bored with that, I would go over to the film lab because there's a um, the University of Texas is a massive film school. Yeah, and I was in the same lab. So like, I'm just getting his final cut, and nobody. It's not like they make you sign it out or whatever. So I also edited the movie in the, in the DL and the University of Texas. Sneaky move. University of Texas is coming after you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's son of a bitch. Yeah, 
Shit. Um, but it was, ter- I mean, it was terrible, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, ugh. I'm such a child actor at the time. Like, but you were by far the best actor in it compared ugh. to Tina. I, look, I mean, I remember looking at that. I mean, my concept of the hard-boiled detective <laughs> is so emotionless and flat, and that's really not what it is. And like, Almost I know that now, but it's just like, this is how you talk. You do this and this and this. That's it. And like, just no, no expression ever. Just flat face. Like, uh worked really well for Will Smith and After Earth. So. <laughs> oh, way to bring it back around. Yeah, all the way back yes. around. But th- no, I only say that because that is one of the most emotionless performances mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And but yeah. Yeah, we were all young at the time. Yeah, yeah. we were. And th- like we all so we try to do this it's we try to do this compact where like okay, whatever, there's a key, right everybody gets to write everybody who wants to write something, write something and we'll all conspire to make it together. And two and a half scripts got written. And mm-hmm. one movie got filmed. Yeah. The other one, we decided to do a sketch version of a documentary, a mockumentary. I was about to put documentary in quotation marks, but I don't need air quotes for that because the term exists. It's called a mockumentary. Yes, it does. <laughs> that is what it is. Uh, and it's so we used to do a slideshow for these for the little kids who are in the summer musical that we were all that we that's why how, we're friends. Why we're yeah. friends in the first place. So um, and the slideshow, we're two thousand three, and we're like. Guys, slideshow. Seriously, I don't. No one takes even slide film anymore. This is lame. So we all <laughs> like, whatever. This is Fiddler. So we just took a riff on this is Spinal Tap and Kevin Riley was in it. Yeah, a oh. literal riff on it. Like, yeah, yeah. We have you know what is it? Marty Marty Bird character yeah. and Kevin yeah. Riley introduces it. And yeah, then, yeah. It, it was that was a blast. It was so much fun. And I mean, it was just a send up of the entire cast and the show and yeah. all the inside jokes that ever happened during the whole rehearsal process. <laughs> We ruined probably two generations of people in the sense that they expected hilarity, like high quality. You ruined two whole generations of people? Yes. <laughs> wow. Ideally. That's a bad yeah. movie. <laughs> we probably went through like, oh no, because we kept making them. They wanted that. We did so well that we kept doing it for like 10 years. If you want to feel really old about yourself. No worries there. Uh, we, we, we did <laughs> it for a really long time. And I, I don't even know what they do anymore. I felt kind of bad when I was like, I'm going to take a step back from all of these roles, mm-hmm. including the one that everyone remembers at the cast party. <laughs> uh, but that, I mean, so when you guys went to Pitt, the experience of making our movies together and writing together w- was what finally convinced me. He's like, I'm just going to take this, because I was in a PhD program that actually had a, like a, a terminal master's. So I could get, I could, I could walk away from the program with something on my resume that was legit. Like I have a degree; it's framed in everything, and you can totally see it if you want. Um, <laughs> it's some, you get a lot of requests to see. Yeah, I yeah. don't. That's why see that diploma somewhere in my garage. Not even my garage; my family's garage, a, 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 a home that I do not own, <laughs> ah. um, or pay any rent for, which um, I'm internally grateful for. But uh, yeah, Obama's America. <laughs> <laughs> But um, when I found out that they were going to Pitt, I was like, oh, Pitt has a film program, which... Film studies, not filmmaking. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you are listening to this and you're dreaming of film, do not go to Pitt for film production. They were very proud of the fact that there's a film production component to their film studies program, which is why we spent so much time in the theater department. True. Where we actually got to be hands-on and actually, produce things, make yes, things like right. we were used to doing. Right, which is which is what we had gotten used to doing. And then we all discovered that the it was a little harder than like turning turning what we wanted to do, which we knew was a career from independent film and all that. We knew that it existed, but 
we all simultaneously ran into the issues like, oh, we're not graduating in the same year. Doing film in Pittsburgh is actually uh, hard to impossible. Oh, well, compared to L.A., though. Right, compared to L.A. Yeah, yeah. it's very doable. L.A. is, like, borderline impossible. Right, right. Well, in filmmaking, I mean, obviously it's only gotten cheaper. Right. But at this time, it wasn't as cheap as yeah. it is now. In 2006, it was not cheap. You're still dealing with a whole lot of DV unless you're willing to pop for a lot of money. Well, no, that's the I thing, mean, too. You guys are in college kids who yeah. have no freaking money. So Yeah, we had the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. None of the money, yeah. And then I, I had a lot of student loans from being in school for, at that point, eight years. Cool. So I was like, I need to get a job. Mm-hmm. And then Emma Zink actually recommended. Oh, um, I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah, Emma yeah. Zink. That's I forgot all about her. Yeah, that's yeah. a name that just kind of like, oh, right, Emma <laughs> Zink. Yeah. Only one remembers, the lovely girl. I yeah. knew that person. Yeah, she seemed, she was very nice. Yeah, she was, she was a stage, stage manager. manager. Yeah, oh, and there you um, go. She, she did this internship at New York Stage and Film. So she's like, they're good people. And uh, so why don't you just give them, give them a call? And I did. And then I ended up with a job at the alley. As all of a sudden, I'm in theater. A place I had no intention of being whatsoever <laughs> yeah. when I started out in life at all. Uh, yeah, I'm right there. With, I, I would have, if even going into college, if you would have told me freshman year of college that I'd be a theater major by junior year, I would have said you're out of your fucking mind. Because I, I was, I was just as realistic back in the day. I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. So I've always been really holding on to uh, reality in a good way uh, before I got to college. But yeah, yeah, that's. So if you graduated in '06. What what did you do after? Well, I gra- so I had to stick around for one extra semester. Oh, yeah. like a half semester. Yeah. So I graduated in 06, uh, December of 06. Gotcha, gotcha. So I then and then I moved to LA. I guess six months later, mm-hmm. I like went. You know, I moved. I went back home with my parents for a little bit. Uh, like worked uh, a couple different jobs, and then kind of always had the plan to move one way or the other. Gotcha. I was kind of over Pittsburgh. Not over Pittsburgh, <laughs> well, but I, yeah. I knew what I wanted to do wasn't right. there. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I kind of came to L.A. with the plan to be an actor, and then I quickly realized that if you don't work in restaurants, that's not really an option, and yeah. I didn't work in restaurants. So, yeah, it's kind of all came around to being a writer because I can mm-hmm. actually spend my own time right. doing that. Yep, yep. So. Yep. That's actually true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you, still, I still do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, because we, I mean, me, even me and my, so I always kind of grew up with this dream of, like, Hollywood. I remember on the game show, you remember the show, it was, uh, Where in the World's Carmen Sandiego? Yes. At the end of the show, you could always, like, if you won the game, you got to pick anywhere to go in yes, the continental right. United States. <laughs> and I always thought in my mind, like. I love that caveat. Yeah, I know. We're not paying go, for Hawaii. You're not going to Alaska, okay? No one's going to Alaska. Everyone's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I remember, like, watching that game, and I would always the place I would always want to go would be Hollywood because I assumed you just showed up and you were good. You were in. Uh, Discovered walking off the bus with your duffel bag. Exactly. Yeah, at age 10. And like (laughs) me and my brothers even used to make movies when we were younger. Like bad movies that we didn't write. We just like grabbed the camera like, hey, we're going to make a movie today. And I would take charge because I was that way when I was a kid. Uh, And... Yeah, we made some really bad action movies that took place all in our house. With the most brilliant title I've ever heard for an action movie. Gun Distance. Nice. (laughs) We did Gun Distance 1 through 4. For Brad's 30th birthday, uh, myself and some friends got together. And knowing this about Brad and his history, uh, we 
for his birthday surprise, I guess, because you didn't know what was going on. I didn't know. I had but no we idea. wrote and made Gun Distance 5. Pull uh, the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. And it turned out, I think, better than any of us ever expected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, some I time still, in the industry has. I still dream of making Gun Distance 6. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. We will do it at some point. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, I have never heard of a more perfect action movie spoof title. Oh, like, it's so good! And we have Naked Gun and Loaded Weapon, and I think Gun Distance is still a better title. Yeah, it's I could. So hilarious. Tell, I should me. actually ask my brothers. I have no idea where we came up with Gun Distance, but I would guess it was me because I was always in charge of that. But um, yeah, it was. We made a lot of little crappy movies like that. Yeah, so be on the lookout for Gun Distance 6. <laughs> yeah. Knife length. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Coming uh, to YouTube. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for it's knife fights. It's about gang-related violence and knife fights. Oh, man. <laughs> Any month now. Uh, so, but when did you... Because you guys live together now. We to L.A.? Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. I, was, I graduated in 06, and then I left... I stayed in Pittsburgh, kind of doing acting essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was—I really wasn't doing as much writing. I really—I started working in restaurants uh, because I was an actor. Yeah, <laughs> apparently that's a smart prerequisite. That's the way to do it. Um, and I ended up getting cast like in small. Well, I shouldn't say small parts. All the things the I really wanted, work. I got small parts in, and the things I didn't want, I got large parts. Oh in. yeah. But it was all pretty classical stuff. Like yeah. I was with Picked in like a small role in King Lear. I actually ended up with Puck. In Midsummer Whoa. for Pittsburgh Shakespeare Park. Oh, it's my worst performance ever. <laughs> I did not want that role. I, 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 for, I was like, I didn't. Nor did I even think of myself as a puck. Mm-hmm. And and the directing was a little non-existent. I should say. Oh wow. Okay, um, yeah. Like I, because I had no idea what I was even doing. I was uh-huh. like, I've never imagined myself as puck. I don't think I'm a good puck. Uh, the way that sh- the director kind of wanted the it to be, like puck kind of gathered weird crazy costume pieces as the show went on so like at the end he's like in this like you know hodgepodge thing of like a wig and mismatched clothing and it never nothing ever clicked for me in it like there was no concept because it was in a park like and she just decided like oh midsummer in a park that's where you should do it because it's outside sure and it i mean it it was maybe one of my least favorite performances (laughs) Uh, and not just me, although I did lead the cast in a terrible performance. Um, I, I, of good actors, I don't mean to take away from them. I just didn't think that the, the directing was necessarily yeah. uh, present as much as good. You know the lines. No. Next oh. scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Great. But yeah, so I did like little acting bits. Uh, I really did get sucked into like serving and bartending. Made me like nocturnal for a while, which oh, yeah. always makes it hard to get anything done. Yeah. Um, and it just got to a kind of a breaking point in '09. Um, yeah, I came out to visit Brad and a few of our other friends in like January or February, and it was I never really wanted to move to LA. I never thought about moving to LA. I came to visit, loved it. I wanted a bigger change then because I always thought New York, always, always oh, New, yeah. York, New York, yeah. New York, New York. And I, I, when when it came down to the wire, I was like, yeah, I want a bigger change. I have family in New York, too. I oh, didn't yeah, want right, that yeah. safety net. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm going to go. I'd never even been to the West Coast other than this one trip. And I, I mean, partially because of these guys. And it's certainly because of Brad and, and Lizzie and Jen that mm-hmm. I am able to be here today. Because it is a tough city. And my first year was one of the worst of my life. Oh, wow. Um, but that's, that's, I made the move in L.A. that May. 
and after that first year, I I loved it. I mean, I had a great support group, which only made it easier. It's the way. I mean, I had you mentioned Lizzie and Jen. I had them when I first moved here. That was the three of us together, mm-hmm. and. There was a period of time where they were thinking of going to New York, and I had already I had decided to move to LA before I'd even visited LA. I came out here with a friend and like visited for like three days, and I was like, "Good, planned on it anyway." But this is what I'm doing. They were still a little up in the air, and I was like, "Well, if they don't come out, then I'll just go by myself. No big deal." And now, in retrospect, I realize if they weren't there with me, I would have moved back home mm-hmm. within a couple months. Yeah, because it would have. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard to do that. Yeah. Um, and it made sense. I mean, I was always movies over theater. I yeah, love theater. Right. Don't get me, me too. wrong. My love of theater right. is, me too. is very strong. Uh, Television what they, movies. You know, yeah. the cliche yeah. of the energy and the live audience is true. I mean, that's why it's a cliche, but it's certainly something you can feed off of and something you don't get in film. Yeah. Um, but I have just always been fascinated with movies. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, so LA kind of made sense. I was like, time to make this leap. I don't want to act anymore either. I was run down by the audition rigmarole. Oh, it sucks. It's brutal. And writing was always my first love. I mean, I've been writing since I've been a tiny kid. Like, my mom instilled that in me. Like, comedy and writing were two things she always introduced me to. Like, Mm -hmm. she would tell me the stories of Stephen King books before I was, like, too old to read them. (laughs) Because I was interested. I was like, what's that about? What's what's Cujo? What is that, mom? Uh, And then later, you know, as I got older, she was like, well, you just watched the movie. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to read the book. And I did. I read, like, you know, I read Green Mile with her when it was coming out. Oh. Like, she would finish the little, because it came out in sections. Yeah. She'd kind of finish one and give it to me, and, and it, it was great. And I, I, I mean, I, I started off writing poems, like, when I was, like, second grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. I had one published by, like, fourth grade Dude. in, like, a little young poetry sure. anthology. And, yeah. Uh, that was always kind of my thing, and now it's, it was, I never quit doing it, but I certainly really embraced it hard about trying to write screenplays yeah. and, and. Even short stories, which I do kind of have a love for, too. So I have a nice little little bank of, of stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, creative writing growing up, that was, like, my favorite thing in school. Mm-hmm. I didn't like school, other than gym class. Like, I, <laughs> I seriously, I don't, I, my mind wanders a lot. I have a hard time paying attention. And the one thing I always loved was, like, creative writing. And that was from, I remember for a science fair in, like, first grade or something, me and my friend combined to do... A writing project instead like that was our science fair thing was written material uh so that's always been a love of mine they were actually the the movie clue so they made like a yeah, group okay. of books that were kind of like almost choose your own not choose your own adventure but they were like little each each chapter was like a different little clue story that like oh. you had to solve who the killer was at the end there was always one killer so we yeah, did yeah. our own version of those like Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, exactly like Encyclopedia Brown. I nice loved cold. Encyclopedia oh, Brown yeah, man. growing up. I always wanted to... My One of my dreams was always to make them... In, get Encyclopedia Brown into, made into a movie. Cause oh, yeah. I don't think it really ever has. I, or did it recently? Not that I know of. Not on any level. I it's always thought that would be a We had a Harry about, yeah. the Spy movie. Right. I, I always thought Encyclopedia Brown would be a really good like kids movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. kids even know what encyclopedias are? Not anymore. <laughs> Wikipedia Brown. Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, that's a great joke. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Where's that SNL stuff? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Right? Oh. Uh, you can send the checks to us. Yeah. Uh, yes. Combined, we'll definitely have. Actually, yeah. Okay. Um, it's on the website. You can check it out. <laughs> so, when did you guys move in together did you move you move in together straight at when you moved to LA or I, I mean uh, no more or less I mean I lived on there Brad and he had oh, two yeah. roommates at the time who were gracious enough to let me live on their couch for like six months 
Like, I moved, and I could not find a job oh, for the yeah. life of me. And, like, you know, I, it was... I, I spent my whole savings that I had moving out to L.A. within, like, maybe the first, like, eight months. Mm-hmm. Just because the city is so much more expensive, and it's fine. I mean, it, it, than Pittsburgh, of course, oh, is yeah. what I mean. I mean, it's not the most expensive city in even this country. Um, but it certainly takes that time to actually start earning money at the higher minimum wage Absolutely. to, you know, tread water here. And, and I mean, I just blew, I mean, I wasn't really conservative about it either because I thought <laughs> none I was of like, us are, <laughs> Oh, I'm a hard worker. I got a good resume. Yeah. I should be able to find a job. Yeah. And then all of a sudden three months go by and I'm like, I've applied every day and I watch people throw my resume array away. Uh... Like waiting in line in cattle shoots, like for restaurant jobs, oh my God. like at Hollywood and Highland, like, Katsuya was opening, and I applied there, and then I could just see him go, oh, nice, okay, so you've done this and this, great. Uh, Haven't worked in L.A., though. Bingo. <laughs> Every job I went to, oh, but you, no experience in L.A.? Nope. Okay, well, we'll give you a call. And I could just see him crumpling up my resume and just throw it over their shoulder. Of course, then I first, as soon as I got a job, the first thing I heard was, ah, oh, that East Coast work ethic. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't, this isn't lining up in my mind. Oh, you guys are sons of bitches, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're all liars, Los Angeles. <laughs> Yeah, because I was, when I first moved here, I didn't work in restaurants. So I worked at DSW oh, yeah, right. Shoes for nine months. On Hollywood Boulevard. On Hollywood Boulevard. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a weird brand to be on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, it is. It is. Especially when Hollywood I Boulevard only speak, I, I don't speak any <laughs> other language. So that you get a lot of tourists there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of. Oh, yeah. A lot of issues. Uh, I worked in Macy's in Herald Square. When ah, I, was I worked in, in Macy's in L.A. too, in the women's shoe department. Yeah. And tourists, experience. tourists are a big, like, it's a, yeah. Yes. Totally understand that. It's tough. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget the one time I told somebody, like I was trying to, it's a Spanish-speaking woman, and I was trying to tell her how much the shoes were because she couldn't oh, read yeah, it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's 100 bucks. Like a total <laughs> asshole. Like like an idiot because, of course, she, she's looking at me like, bucks? What the? What are bucks? And I'm just like, <laughs> dollars. 100, I'm, ugh, I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, so, yeah, I... I did so many different jobs. I w- was ripping tickets in a parking lot. I did Ugh. babysitting gigs. What? I did telemarketing at one point. Uh. The only job I've truly been fired from and never been more proud to be fired from a job. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, for like the RNC too, right? Wasn't it? Oh, that's awesome. Please. No, no, no. It maybe was, not for the RNC. But it, it was, was rotating. Uh. So every two hours you would call. So one one two-hour block, I'd be calling for like the uh, ASPCA. Okay. Or And the next one, I'd be calling for like conservative think tanks where I'm literally trying to convince these conservative people to be more conservative. I'm reading a script saying how Obama's trying to ruin this country. And they sit there and tell you, like, listen, this is your job. You're paid to do this. And that's whatever your personal feelings are don't matter. So I was literally selling my soul Ugh. for minimum wage. <laughs> it was the worst job I've ever had. Oh, my gosh. That's soul. brutal. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. Ugh. I've never hated a job so much. And I've hated a lot of jobs. <laughs> um. But yeah, then you, because, yeah, actually, when Chris came out to visit, I always found it funny that Chris moved out here because so many things went wrong. Like, the day I was driving Chris to the airport for him to leave, I got fired for, I actually did get, I'm, at I lied. At LAX. At LAX. Oh. Because I was working for. I'm getting for, my bag out of the car. Yep. Get the phone call. I get a co- phone call from my cousin because we were working for uh, Ed Hardy at the time. Like oh, Christian wow. Christian Yeah. And his company. And he just let off, like. Oh, 40% yeah. of his company in a matter of like a month and we were a part of that because we were like in this post-production so I'm literally jumping Chris off at the airport and I'm finding out that like I don't have a job anymore 
Uh, and so it was always interesting that he still was like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. You act like it was terrible. I mean, that was terrible. That's really the only truly terrible thing. Well, then there happened. was also the trip to Cedar Point. Or, or, or Six Flags. Six Flags. Magic Sorry, Mountain, I do that, yes. Where you did lose your keys, yes. car keys that we took to get to, uh, what is it, Valencia or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, his keys fell out on uh, Tatsu. The roller coaster. The most ridiculous roller coaster I've ever rode in my life. Um, and we couldn't find him. Oh, no. My keys, Jen's keys who drove, my cell phone all fell out of my pocket. We got... Sh- it, the whole day was a disaster. Oh I'm not going to go gosh. through every little thing because like, got stuck on a couple rides, more than one we ride. Did. We got stuck on the Batman ride. And Tatsu line. Didn't you guys get stuck in there for a little bit? Oh, just briefly. Yeah. Though. Yeah, that was, that was... Just briefly. But the whole day Nothing was... Nothing compared to the rest of the... It was a disaster of a day. Wow. Uh, so that was part of the trip, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had a lot of fun that week. <laughs> Regardless, I mean, that was just two days out of the... And honestly, I was leaving when he lost his job, and that didn't really affect my It's <laughs> fair. Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That, I mean, that describes anyone who has to persevere in the face of... Like, the industry is overwhelmingly a wall that's attempted to intimidate you, like, go the fuck away, and... Yeah. To just you, you have, have to have people go yeah, home. Yeah. You have to have that fortitude because it's obviously it, like it's always a lie. Like they 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 never have completely enough people. It's such a small circle, and you, you could always use new blood. But that's an outsider's perspective. So. Well, it's I always say to people whenever they ask me about it, it's like it's L.A. is an endurance race. Yes. Like mm, yeah. Whatever whatever you want to accomplish, realize it's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Like seriously, yeah. it just won't. No. Yeah. You, you work hard. Build, work consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You keep finding ways. Keep yeah. meeting people. Keep moving up. And eventually, you'll get better jobs. And eventually, you'll get better opportunities. But yeah, put be ready to put in the time because that's what it takes. Yeah. That's I, it's I mean I've been here for eight true. years and I'm just like finally got a decent job and finally like making some headway in what I actually want to be doing a little bit right and that's eight years yeah yeah the time horizon has to get a lot longer and the part of that is also we touched on a little earlier and I tell people this when people ask about like what career advice I I always tell them all the same thing do not have a backup plan yeah it is so hard your the temptation is just going to be to bail as Maybe not as soon as it gets hard, but it's going to be hard for so much longer than you think that if you have a backup plan, you're going to go to it. Just don't have it. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to tell you to have a backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> Every single person tells you to have a backup plan. <laughs> See? Because they don't know. Yeah. I have the luxury of not I liking not and liking then, anything else or being good right. at anything else. <laughs> yeah. So I naturally just can't have a backup plan. So yeah. it worked out well for me that and way. There you go. Yeah. Just maintain your sanity. Because I'll tell you. Absolutely. A decade in restaurants... Mm. It's driven me a little nuts at times. Um, now you know you, you swallow it, you make a piece, uh, and you know it's not exactly what you want to be getting most of your money for, but it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, honestly, once you realize that everyone's just crazy, <laughs> like, all right, you'll get your iced tea refill. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. So, when did you guys? How did High on Film come about then? Because you're in like two me. and a half years ago, right? Am I we're, right about that? We're coming up on the end of three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in right. home stretch yes. of three. Right. I mean, right. Because right. you're about to come up on 150, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Our, our, the end of season season three for us, which is 50 episode episodes, seasons yeah. plus uh, a smattering of mini episodes, right. um, is what? Beginning of December. Yeah. And then our first show every season is Christmas. Uh, um, so it, it started with me. I mean, 
maybe four or five years ago, I started listening to podcasts mm-hmm. yep. because I heard specifically about Comedy Bang Bang. Which oh yeah! Okay. To this day, remains my favorite podcast. Um, I, I had heard about it. I knew it was a guy who had like written for Mister Show, but I had no idea who Scott Aukerman was. I really didn't even know who many of his guests were at that time because I hadn't really delved into the comedic LA world, especially. I mean, yeah. it's all over. I mean, he gets people from all over the country and world, but certainly LA UCB is like their main funnel of of talent. Um, so I wasn't even really familiar with a lot of them, but I, I can't even remember where I heard of it. But I did, and I gave it a listen, and it was the most bizarre thing I ever heard. <laughs> it really confused me, because I didn't understand that some people were playing characters at first. Oh, yeah. But something about it really drew me in, and it, it encouraged me to explore more. So then I got onto things like Doug Loves Movies, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, uh, a little more out of... I started looking for things out of the comedy circle, too. A yeah. few more comedic podcasts, like Improv for Humans, which I still love and listen to. Um, but, like, Dinner Party Download I loved. Uh, Fresh Air, of course, was always great. And, like, mm. it's funny because I never realized I would have liked podcasts. And I certainly knew of them before I listened to them. But, like, all through high school, I always loved, maybe somewhat sadomasochistically, like, <laughs> morning talk radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I never thought the DJs were funny. Right, uh, but I loved listening to them try to be funny, and yeah. then also mix in news and pop culture talk. Right. So then, when I discovered podcasts was talk radio, it yeah. kind of started making sense to me. And I, I mean, I just went nuts. And then it was only a matter of time before I was like, I can do that. Yeah, yep, yep. So I just came up with the idea. I, I, I mean, it was really a passion project of, hey, you know what I love doing? Watching movies with friends. And I missed the aspect of film school, funny enough, uh, film studies, where yeah. people would expose me to things that I have never even heard of, or maybe heard of, but never would have watched, mm-hmm. um, because they would have just went on the end of my 500 movie Netflix <laughs> right, queue, yeah. that I wouldn't watch till I was 72 when I get to the end of that thing. Uh, and I wanted something to force me to watch movies that were maybe out of my circle. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the caveat came from. We choose guests, they choose movies. And then I kind of brought it to Brad. Uh, I mean, we're, yeah, great friends for some time. And we've always talked about films together. And uh, I, I really wanted him to be part of the show because his film knowledge fills in the gaps of mine. Oh, yeah. Like, whereas I haven't seen a lot of, like, late 80s, early 90s action movies, <laughs> Brad is in a forte. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, the one go. example. No, 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 no. But, like... And yeah. your memory for stats is way better than mine. Like, I'll name movies and you'll get years. You'll list off the, like, a number of the actors who have been in it that I'm like, oh, I knew two of those. And I was like, I would love a, a fact checker like, yeah, yeah. on this show that could call me out, like, because I, I want it to be factual. I don't want to. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Your, your run sheets for it are really impressive. Oh, thanks. I mean, we, we do our research as much yeah, as we can. Exactly. And, and, I mean, we've both been watching movies all our lives. Yeah. But so I brought the idea to Brad, and we kind of started kicking around some games and and, and ideas for the show. And we did a pilot, which was awful. It has never seen the light of day. <laughs> the original pilot, our original episode, is not our original episode. Okay. Yeah, we did a pilot of A Few Good Men, and I originally wanted we had the games, at least mm-hmm. the three games of of the summary game, or the first impressions in Milk, okay. and we had that in place. Uh, and Best Scene, Worst Scene was in place as well. But I, my idea was to talk about the movie 
from start to finish and kind of implement these games where they kind of organically mm-hmm, came mm-hmm. up. Which proved to be a very messy, long <laughs> podcast. It did not work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, didn't, we didn't naturally just do that. Yeah. And, like, add these games in. Like, oh, this is a perfect time to do this. It didn't work out that way. Yeah, we immediately just I was like, nope, we got to redo this. We're doing another one. We're going to have complete, clear segments. We're going to go from one game to the next. Um, and kind of just evolve from there. And, I mean, both Brad and I like having that weekly thing to work on. Yeah. Um, and a, and an actual, especially in this city, something where something produced one way or the other yeah, that we're putting yeah, exactly, out there, yeah. saying, "Hey, we're doing something." That was nice because in this town, it is so, like I have scripts that I've written and whatnot. Yeah. It's like it's impossible to get that made totally, without yeah. money. So this is something we could do for relatively cheap yeah. and still get and have fun doing it and yeah. do a weekly thing to kind of keep us going. Yeah, uh, and watching movies, which I think is incredibly important. Something not only I love to do, but I really feel it helps me as. An artist. I mean, yeah, yeah. Getting to watch all these things, all these. I mean, both hits and misses. Oh yeah. We've certainly done our fair share of terrible movies. On awful, the podcast. awful movies. And I mean, while I do take some enjoyment from watching bad shows, like I did from, you know, Baltimore Morning Radio and yeah. Pittsburgh Morning Radio, and when I was living in those respective areas, um, I, I do. I like watching bad movies. I like seeing what's wrong and figuring yeah. out how it could have been better. If you know, the idea is salvageable, of course. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, hence why Milken, it's even a game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's, the, it's sort of like acknowledgement that things could have been different slash better. Sometimes, and, yeah. And so it's, and I, I love the, what I love about Milken it is the, uh, other than occasionally when the erotic thriller and the porn card comes up, sure. which are always like mind bending exercises. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a great, it's an example of the elevator pitch. Like you're asked to develop an elevator pitch based on a property. And that's how people like the cliche is it's die hard on a boat. Yeah, like exactly. you have to come up with, let's figure it out. We just watched the movie. So we've, we've given the, we've, we've been given the parameters and we just watched the movie. So it's like this, like this. And it's, that was almost a caveat Yeah. of, it oh, has yeah. to be like, meet the parents, meets, Jurassic Park or whatever, you know. Uh, I'd, I'd watch that movie. Yeah, well, that's kind of Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Whoa. I guess it is. Yeah, maybe it is. Uh, yeah, it's that's kind of what's been nice about the podcast is like seeing movies, like we did Gone with the Wind, which I oh, think Oh, yeah, like, that was such an interesting episode. Which is a movie, honestly, I would have probably never watched. Right, yeah. Like a four-hour epic that I would have never just like sat down one night like, oh, yeah, let's pop in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> It just would have never happened. And it was an interesting movie to see. It's a classic film. Yeah. You know. Surprised at how much I liked it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not a big yeah. melodrama fan, and I was... I, I did. I was like, good. I'm going to get to see Gone with the Wind, finally. Yeah, yeah. And it was a bitch to schedule. Uh, I imagine. But yeah. especially adding a podcast on top of the four hours. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, but Lucy, uh, a great actress and, and friend of ours who was the guest and picked it, is a... Georgia girl and uh, oh, made us yeah. food too, which was really nice. Oh, right. Southern food, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh, helped yeah. a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I really did. I, I enjoyed that movie way more than I ever thought I would, yeah. and I would have never watched it. Like Brad said, like I, I would have never, never gotten around to Gone with the Wind. Yeah. So yeah, like I'll never get around to Lawrence Arabia until someone picks it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the I, I and I started doing this when you guys did uh, Room Two Thirty Seven 
mm. and you did The Shining on top of it. I was talking to Chris about this a little earlier. I have never seen The Shining. It was a it was always a gap. Like my I oh st- wow. I started collecting movies specifically and on purpose back when I was in uh, making up for being bored in the German department in my apartment when I lived by myself. Physically collecting or just collecting? No, like collecting experiences of watching it. So like I I went to the IMDb Top 250 and it's like, I'm going to see every single one of the movies in the Top 50. I wasn't going to go for all 250. I knew that was totally insane because it goes off the rails very quickly. But it was a good enough mixture of classics and um, recent things. Like Shawshank was there. It's number one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, for a really long time. If it's not, still. Dark Knight's up there too. Both the Godfathers are there. Yeah, so it it stays contemporary, which is great. And, but, so I can, I can distract myself with things that I was always going to see because I'm always going to see Dark Knight regardless. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't always going to see, and I never made myself see Cinema Paradiso, but. I haven't watched that either, but I I want to. Yeah, but. It's on Netflix instant. That's <laughs> totally true. Uh, no excuses anymore. Anyway, um, the uh, the Shining wasn't necessarily on it, and the the two fifty is a, the top two fifty is a living document, and the top fifty mm-hmm. in particular like slide up and down. So when I first started it, I didn't know that when I first started it, it wasn't there. <laughs> and then a couple months later, I was like, oh, top two fifty doing it. This, this is fucking different. I thought I had all of it. Oh shit! I don't want to see The Shining. I don't like horror movies. Whatever. So I just put it off. But but I love I, I love your show and so to stay engaged with it I was like well then I have I have to watch The Shining the, the, everyone should watch The Shining well I mean and that's what I discovered when I watched it like everybody should see it it's so good it's so good oh my gosh <laughs> it starts and, with that amazing helicopter shot yeah yeah and just that Jack Nicholson sort of like it's not voiceover but it's off screen narrative explaining why everybody's gonna love it <laughs> well again I mean young Jack Nicholson is. One of the best American actors, Ugh, so- if not one of the best actors, period, ever. I mean, his early work, I exclude, like, you know, probably 90s. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about, like, Cuckoo's <laughs> Nest, Shining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah, era, I mean, like, he's yeah. Serious, right, exactly. Like, I mean, he's outstanding. Easy writer. Oh, like, yeah. Even bit parts, like, he's awesome. I haven't gone back and seen any of his old, like, Corman stuff. I haven't either. I have not I'm taken curious. that step. I am yeah. definitely curious. But I, I watched that movie and immediately thought, this is brilliant cinematography. I feel like I'm a ghost haunting the hotel. Yeah. That concept is so brilliant. Surely it would have been rewarded by the Academy. It was not. It was not nominated for best cinematography that year, which is an insane travesty. <laughs> so I decided, like, who was? Was it worth it? Was it really worth it? Did you guys exclude one of the greatest films of all time for some heinous 1980 bullshit? And yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, they, what one? Uh, that was the year that Raging Bull got screwed. No, yes, no. Because uh, Tess won. Oh, Tess. Yes, which is a, a problematic film um, for so many reasons. Never seen it. Uh, we talked about it briefly. You, if you listen to You Must Remember This to plug another podcast, which she talks about what uh, Ro- what happened to Roman Polanski after his wife was murdered by the Manson family, and in- including the statutory rape of a drugged 13 year old girl and that how that wasn't his first underage girl and Natasha Kinsey who stars in Tess like it's a it's a rabbit hole of terror uh, yeah dark dark yeah. which everyone in Hollywood would for sure have known in 1979 and that movie by the way is dedicated dedicated to Sharon Tate hey man so, <laughs> Hollywood loves their horror they stories they sure yeah. fucking do and but I mean that, I find it again morbidly fascinating <laughs> as well yeah like not that I like delight in these terrible happenings, oh but like, it's it is bizarre. 
And it, I, I mean, I get the appeal because it is these movie stars living these rich, lavish lifestyles in 70 degrees and sunny yeah. and, like, pulling the darkest stuff, like, you've read about. Like, I mean, these stories don't really make national headlines when they happen in backwoods areas, like, of, like, these really horror yeah. things that go on. But, like, when it happens because it's a movie star <laughs> yeah. or a famous director, like, the whole world's morbid curiosity lights up. And, like, you do... I mean, I think it's inherent in everybody to know the darkest and the lightest yeah. of humanity. Yeah. I mean, I, hence why active killing is such a fascinating oh, movie. Oh, yeah. It's a, and yeah. I think one of the most important pieces of cinema I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, but I digress. Well, we were we're already on a digression, so digressions, <laughs> are, digressions are that's shining. <laughs> that's that's what podcasts are about. But true, like it was it was that, like it wasn't a task I sought myself. It was like just sheer curiosity. Nineteen eighty cinematography that is so random, and I've watched Tess and Coal Miner's Daughter and Thirty Minutes of the Formula, which is a completely worthless movie. I made myself rewatch Raging Bull, which we had seen in. Uh, film classes but I hadn't so that's a different experience in any way and then I may or may not see um, The Blue Lagoon because uh, uh, yeah. that was the other film that oh, no, that's hilarious wow cinematography. but that's the thing that you were talking about like getting exposed to things that you would never bring yourself to do just because you've set up a situation that lets you come at it with something other than your own inclination it's like Oh, we do this fun thing around it, mm -hmm. so let's engage with it, and that that leads you to like great conversation. I mean, obviously, not it's not always great, and sure. you don't always see movies that are awesome, like Boondock Saints too. Oh God, <laughs> it remains the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I think it might be that. Right, um, but yeah, it's it's a great it's a I, it's a fantastic idea, and I. I'm, I follow it avidly, obviously. And we're about to record. <laughs> yes, your next episode. Yeah, Spoiler maybe. alert, yes. Because uh, you, again, are, are testing our boundaries <laughs> yeah. of the show with this, yep. with this pick of five obstructions. <laughs> with, a, with my weird foreign film. Um, I know, I love it. I love it. I, I mean, cause it's funny you bring up The Shining in Room 237 because uh, Austin, our guest uh, at the time, wanted to do 237. He's like, I want to do this weird conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy documentary. And we were like, cool. Uh, so we watched it, and before we decided the podcast, we also might have gotten a little drunk. <laughs> we were but a little drunk, but we were literally sitting at the table we were about ready to, to record, record. And just from the conversations we had after watching 237, we were like, you know what would be a better idea instead of podcasting right now? Watching The Shining. Mm. So we watched The Shining, and then the next day did both podcasts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which I loved. I mean, we've always talked about trying to do a double feature kind of aspect on the show is mm -hmm, anyway mm -hmm. which we've kind of toyed with and no, nothing as true as Shining followed by Room 2 yeah. 237 though like that kind of companion piece yeah um, but yeah and I, I loved what it did for our show like I love that I had to come up with a new game or a new version of a game to acclimate this documentary this weird documentary too because it's not a traditional documentary no, into our show uh, and yeah, I, I loved it, and, I, and that's why I'm very excited to do Five <laughs> Obstructions and, and debut another bastardization of Milky. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. that's right. Yeah, and I never would have come upon that film except my great uncle mentioned it, who's like, he used to teach at Wayne State University, philosophy education major, like one of the most interesting people and one of the most effective conversationalists that I've ever come in contact with. And so like we were just sitting in his home uh, in Juno Beach, Florida, I think is when is where he lived at the time. And we're just talking about movies, and like, he knows Liv Ullman. 
from I don't even remember how they met. <laughs> he tells this fantastic story. I told this some I told this story on the podcast already to somebody else, but they this great story of how like Igmar Bergman was a huge fan of Woody Allen and they had a dinner party where Woody Allen and Igmar Bergman were both super nervous and never fucking talked to each other. Hilarious. The entire time and they were terrified. Is this the worst dinner party ever? The two people we wanted to put together didn't say a syllable to one another. They're so starstruck by one another. <laughs> but they, they both separately told the people who organized it that it was the best dinner party they've ever been at. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. It's like a middle school dance. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so when he when he recommended the, the movie, he's like, oh, sure, what the hell? Check that out. That's awesome. And then I was totally blown away by by Lars von Trier deliberately filming himself being an asshole to a, someone, which is... He's a weird guy, and it turns out to be really entertaining. Yeah, and, and not wholly empty. Like, I don't think it's without <laughs> measure that he's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, we can get that, we'll, that we'll on get, the next podcast. We'll talk yeah, about yeah, it on the next podcast. podcast. I was actually, I was just, I was giving a, I, I, I love for people to know who Jerry Teachman is, because he's so such a great, uh, great guy. <laughs> um, but, so, going forward, three years of high on film, what do you see doing because i know that i want to do more like i have one show and my gear is just sitting in a pelican case waiting for somebody for either me or somebody else to have a great idea that i want to participate in and so like do you guys also have other things that you want to do now that you've been exposed to podcasting you've got the bug do you want to do more or yeah i mean there's, there's two things we've talked about extensive one we've talked about extensively and done some planning and kind of kicking around ideas. Another that we're enacting currently. Um, the one is, uh, we've always kind of talked about doing High on Film as a Wayne's World-esque TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, like kind of like a half an hour, um, probably, probably ditching the idea of doing one movie per show mm -hmm. and expanding to either a director or a theme or you know I mean genre a, a mm -hmm. mix of that yeah. so one week could be Scorsese or like 80s Scorsese or something like oh, that yeah, yeah. and then the next week could be dinosaur movies dinosaur movies <laughs> or yeah, asteroid yeah. films so yeah. we do Impact and Arm Deep Impact Armageddon blah 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 oh there you go yeah. uh, you know any any sort of thing but kind of mix it up that way just so we're, you don't have to watch one specific film oh, to yeah, get gotcha. everything gotcha yeah yeah um, so we've kind of always talked, to, talked about that flushing out exactly how the podcast would maybe translate into a visual medium yeah yeah uh and we we do have some ideas and i mean nothing too concrete about how we're actually going to execute it yet yet i mean we got some people interested in doing it and helping cool. out yeah um yeah there's been some talks and we're yeah it's something we're gonna start i think trying to pursue a little more i i feel like it's mostly chris actually but uh a lot of the ideas that are kind of there now work work they the ideas we have work yeah. i don't know if it's enough for a whole show at this point mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it, it's fun ideas that i think will eventually work out and that is the kind of the plan for the next step i mean we'll, we'll obviously keep doing the podcast yeah uh but that's kind of the next step for high on film specifically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we like to and then we like each year we've kind of after we finish the podcast version of it there's always something we kind of want to implement next year this year we've been a little more like oh we're gonna kind of plan things like we plan we did mcconuary oh yeah we yeah, did uh -huh. the all night m night Shyamalan marathon like little things where 
Uh, we're going to a Halloween double feature. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, little things where, you know, not, so not so every time the guests picking the movie, Something. just a little more like setting up little fun things. Well, and, they still pick the movie, it's just now we're kind of framing it to kind of give it a little more relevance around the seasonality yeah, of it. Yeah, some parameters. Sure, I mean, like, uh, I mean, for just, M. Night, we, for, the for All Night M. Night, yeah. we didn't, we kind of chose that. Well, but we did time it around the release of the visit. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah exactly. right. There's something outside of the show that you're reacting to that the show brings bearing on. Exactly, yeah. And we've kind of let that just to kind of give it a little more... I mean, the whole joke of it was that it's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Because we don't actually... Well, we do delve into some film talk, but I mean, it's mostly comedically tinged. Right. It's mostly kind of like poking fun at the movie and then figuring out fun ways to bastardize it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I always called it irrelevant. Also, because we don't do new movies. Right. It's they can be things you've never potentially seen before. Movies yeah. I've never seen before, like John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis in Perfect. Oh, um, that wow, fucking yeah. movie, which I didn't even know existed. <laughs> I didn't know existed either. <laughs> and most of the people I talk to don't know it exists. Uh, but it's certainly something we did, and something I love that we did because it gives us such a scope. Mm -hmm. We've done Cuckoo's Nest and Perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've done Apocalypto and. Back to the Future, you know, like it's it's great. I, I love that diversity. Well, I lo you always kind of said that what the podcast should be is kind of a library. Like yeah. you as yeah. the like not necessary to listen to every. I mean, if you do, great, but not. I, I know you most do. can. If you're not, you should. It's more of a talkback. Right, but you right. you can kind of look at it and be like, oh, is there a certain guest that I know oh, that yeah, it has on, or yeah. is a certain movie I really like? And it's kind of more there in that sense, which I kind of always loved that concept. Yeah, that you'd be able to watch a movie and go, oh, I wonder if High on Film did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to us talk about it. Um, the other thing we want to do, as Brad and I are both writers, and uh, I mean, we both have written screenplays, and and I think want to continue writing screenplays. Mm -hmm. We've developed. Uh, a film noir radio play that we're wrapping up uh, the script on. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the the podcast is going to be called Death at Sunset. Oh, yeah, it's uh, and it's going to consist of like cases that are probably spread out over four episodes a piece. Probably maybe like a twenty to thirty minute episodes mm -hmm. of one continuous case. Um, again, we, we're just finishing writing it now. We haven't actually started recording or let alone editing, so I don't know exactly the time right. frame of yeah. these episodes. Yeah, and it's more comedy. It's like comedy-based noir a little more. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 absurdist noir. Like, I mean, certainly there, there are characters firmly grounded in a film noir world, but they are living in contemporary Los Angeles. Like La Longa Bay. <laughs> yes, yeah, and maybe even a little more comedic but a well, sensibility. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What really inspired me to do it was I watched Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, wow. Which is the Carl yeah. Reiner film with Steve Martin where... I know Carl Reiner did that. Wow. I believe he did, yeah. Oh, and wow. he put Steve Martin in a film noir where he acts with Humphrey Bogart and Ava Gardner and all these old Hollywood stars where they use clips of other existing film noirs and write a story for Steve Martin's P.I. that he's having scenes with them in shot reverse shot. Whoa. I did not realize that's what that movie was. It's, it is a, a beautiful idea. And Steve Martin is hilarious, which is what made me think a comedy film noir would uh -huh. be really great, yeah. actually. Yeah. Because he has some beautiful jokes about being a detective and being Steve Martin. <laughs> but on a whole, the movie's okay. Like, it's not full. It's, it's more of a, a, a grand attempt than it is a great <laughs> yeah, success. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is the single thing that inspired me that I was like and I've always loved comedy too I always wanted to write comedy I never really want to write anything 
not to say it doesn't have meaning or message, but never to anything too right. deathly serious. <laughs> I just don't have interest in that kind of stuff. Uh, but that is exactly what that and probably the success of Serial. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, people would listen to a radio play. Essentially. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. I, I was always worried about talking too much. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, are people going to listen to me? Just go, and then we went and did this. And then I turned still, a corner and I'm, did this. I'm and still then... shocked people listen to the pod, our podcast in general. When people say that, I'm like, wow, they just like listening to us. It's That's, incredibly flattering. It is. It's a yeah. little surprising. For, <laughs> for something I never really thought people would listen to, yeah. for now us to have grown to, I mean, a modest size, but certainly a lot of, most of our listeners are not people I know anymore. Right. Which yeah. is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I should point, this is this is where I would love to point out your incredibly fantastic bumper sticker, which reads, I listen to podcasts before serial. <laughs> Thank you. I actually got that at uh, this year's LA Podcast Festival. It's it's not my bumper sticker. I mean, this this copy is, yeah, right. um, but it's from the Sideshow Network, who are a great podcasting uh, network uh, so and fun. have been a great supporter of the LA Podcast Festival, at least since year two, maybe since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, we weren't there the first year. We've gone every year since, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and funny enough... Make an appearance in Earbuds, the podcast documentary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was hilarious. The real, like, we're sitting there. They did a preview of this first, you know, this documentary about podcasts, and Chris and me are just sitting there watching it. And all of a sudden, there's just a shot of me and Chris right in the middle of the screen doing our 2014 episode of, oh, yeah. of High on Film yeah. from the podcast festival. It was quite a surprise. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I mean, hopefully, we stay in it. It was a preview, so there's a chance right. we could get cut out. Right. But hey, fingers crossed. Hey. Let's hold on. I do didn't know you signed that. a release when you... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're in the background. They're, we're not talking. Okay. You can't hear yeah, us. Okay. That's what, the first thing I said. I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't sign off on that. Uh, but yeah, Death at Sunset. Something we're very much looking forward that's to. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, depending on this, when this is released. Maybe out now? Not out now. <laughs> no. Nope. I was going to say, it's, what it's, is this going to be released in Before the end of 2015. October, for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're finishing up the script now, and then we're going to start cool. recording Cool. That's soon, excellent. So. Yeah. Absolutely. We've already even started brainstorming more ideas for the next case. Cool. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I do. I, I love podcasts. It's, and it feels weird to say, and I've been made fun of before. <laughs> For saying that I love podcasts just in such a general thing. <laughs> but I do. I consume them ravenously. Yeah, yeah. And making them only makes me want to make more. Right. I, now, I, and I love High on Film, but I, there is a time where I do want it to end. It's not anytime soon. Relax. <laughs> Everyone's freaking out now. Yeah, it's not anytime <laughs> soon. But I mean, I do kind of want it to end eventually to do something else. And I mean, it does take up a lot of time too. So sure. it's... Uh, wouldn't be too bad to have a little vacation here and there. But, uh, I mean, Death at Sunset certainly the future for me, at least. I, I mean, i much rather... I love talking about movies. I love joking about movies. But I love narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, That's yeah. where I lie big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, eventually... I mean... That'll be that'll be the transition. Maybe we'll end up doing high on film for forever. Our own, yeah. We'll be we'll, we'll be doing you, ninety years old and say, still doing high on film. You'll do your tenth anniversary show here, not before you even know it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably. True. I like to think we'll take like a couple years off and then come back to it later and then do another like five seasons. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue because we are at our hour. 
That's so, it. There oh, we boy. go. Yeah. We, Time flies. We rolled through it. We gotta get uh, we gotta do another one. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, I believe episode one hundred and forty three of High on Film for more information. There you mm-hmm. go. That I was just about to ask if you had anything to plug, and then you do, and you did, because we're all podcasting professionals here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, check out High on Film. It's on the internet. You go to highonfilm.com, you can go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter, Instagram, that's all high on film. Uh we have a partner-esque in um, Talkbacker and Pulp Epic, which is a beautiful nerd website that's kind of been down for a little bit, but they're going to be relaunching a mobile device, or a mobile component, I should mm-hmm. say, uh, soon for our podcast, along with a lot of their other great shows. Um, so look for that. I'm at Cross Maxwell on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> C-H-R-O-S, the I, which is traditionally in Chris. <laughs> what? It is? Yeah. Oh. That's my plug. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, at BD Always GP on Twitter, same on Instagram. Uh, I have a baseball blog, too, that you can check out on Tumblr there. I love you, Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates. Just super fun. Yep. And you are becoming a podcast hosting network. I believe you host another podcast on your website. I do indeed. Yes. Tiffany and Aaron drink wine and talk about stuff. Uh, Tiffany and Aaron are, are friends of our show, High on Film, and, and great friends in real life, too. Uh, and it's more of a weekly pop culture show. They. Funny enough, ours is called High on Film. There's about drinking wine. They uh, finish a <laughs> bottle of wine per episode as they kind of go through, uh, you know, events. Uh, certainly, people in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of fun segments. I, I, I kind of helped to uh, form and, and create the show and and do very very little producing on it. Um, I can't really take any create creative credit on it, but they do. They have a great show. Check that out. That is also on HighOnFilm.com. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then Death at Sunset, of course. Yeah, soon. when when coming it comes soon, out, it will certainly be strongly pimped on on the intro and as many electronic outlets and digital outlets as I can find. Ah, thank well, you, thank you, sir. Yeah, you're a hell of a supporter of ours. <laughs> if not, other than Chris's mom, <laughs> you might be our biggest supporter. So rest uh, assured, just by listening to this. Too, yeah. So thanks, <laughs> so, and Denise, mom. thank you for everything, Denise. and and thank you for everything, man. Yeah, having yeah. us on and uh, just your constant support has been wonderful it's my pleasure thank you so much for letting me take over your uh, your table it and, was uh, anytime yeah sweet thanks guys cool that's it awesome <laughs>